when it feels like everything's going down. And certainly in the last month or two, you've gotten that sense that more and more stocks are failing to hold up you know, and, and go higher. They're failing to hold support levels and rotating lower. I'm inclined to gravitate toward things that are still in uptrends, ideally. And if not that, at least are outperforming. So any of the names that you and I would talk about today are stocks that are outperforming their benchmarks, meaning yeah. if the S&P, if the NASDAQ have a certain trend up or down, these stocks are doing better than that. On this episode of Early Bird, Dave Keller, Chief Market Strategist at StockCharts.com. Dave joins the podcast today to talk about the top stocks to pick and the top stocks to avoid right now in the fourth quarter of 2023. If you're an investor looking to stay on top of the latest market trends, then you're listening to the right podcast. This is Early Bird, and I'm your host, Stephen Lerner. Before we get to today's discussion, let me tell you how you can save time and beat the market through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter featuring commentary about the latest trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and equity crowdfunding. Early Bird is designed to help individual and non-professional investors stay on top of all of the critical investing trends. The newsletter is 100% free and is sent to your email box each weekday morning. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, today's discussion. All right, Dave, welcome to the Early Bird Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great, Steve. Good to, good to meet you. Uh, congrats on the podcast. I'm happy to be a part of it. Well, thank you for coming to the podcast today, Dave. We appreciate it. Um, we are going to be discussing the top stock picks uh, for the rest of the year, including a few stocks to avoid for the rest of this year in 2023. But before we get to that, Dave, if you could, in about 30 seconds or less, how would you describe yourself uh, and your background to our audience? Sure. So I've been in the financial industry about 23 years. Um, my introduction to uh, to market analysis was in June of 2000. So if you know your market history, I was introduced to investing at a time when the tech bubble was bursting and the markets rolled over, right? And we had 9-11, all sorts of obviously challenging periods in uh, in New York City, which is where we where we were located. And so I was immediately drawn to a practice called technical analysis, which is, you know, really analyzing price trends and analyzing, you know, shifts in momentum. And it served people that I worked with very well uh, in that they, the, the, the investors that were most successful during that period were the ones that recognized that the tides were turning, right? Recognized that we had rotated from a bullish phase to a bearish phase. And so mm. the idea of analyzing charts as a sort of truth serum for the markets, uh, I was completely hooked. Oh, wow. uh, and so I actually started at Bloomberg in New York. So in the market data part of the financial industry, nice. uh, which was a great opportunity to learn. It also gave me access to a lot of successful investors in the in the Northeast and and elsewhere around uh, around the North America. And, Dave, uh, and then I relocated to Fidelity in Boston in 2008. I was at tapped to run their technical research team. Mm -hmm. uh, so by that point, I'd sort of uh, you know learned a good deal and was was doing a lot of educating on. Uh, uh, for institutional clients on how to use charting and uh, and behavioral finance techniques to make better decisions. Yes. And so that's where I focused at Fidelity from around 2008 to 2016. 
Um, Left Fidelity in 2016 launched my own firm called Sierra Alpha Research, nice. uh, trying to sort of implement some of those uh, tools, trying to help individual investors and financial advisors just make better decisions. I found out, uh, I figured out uh, by then that a lot of the biggest challenges investors faced uh, were not what was happening around them, but was happening between their ears. So <laughs> helping them, you know, sort of get out of their own way. And, yes, and make that, sure that, that they... is such a big problem for investors. I mean, you, you yeah, are your sure. own enemy. And I guess that's sort of like to brings us to where we are today. You know, the sort of set us up, uh, Dave, what what kind of market are we running into in the fourth quarter of 2023? Yeah, so I, I mean, I think for me, it starts with a high level view. And I always tend to think, is the market guilty until proven innocent or innocent until proven guilty? And meaning is the primary trend, that trend on which you're trying to operate, is it is it higher or lower? And I always like to think my seven-year-old son, Henry, if I showed him a chart of a particular market or a particular asset, would he tell me that the thing is trending up or down and, and, and literally start with that simple of an assessment? And when I look at the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ, uh, clearly going lower, certainly since July, August, we've you know now entered into a distribution phase of lower highs and lower lows. A lot of individual names. I think it started with, you know, a lot of communication services names and others that were in steep downtrends. But some of those leadership names like Microsoft and Apple started to make lower highs, started to rotate lower. And now here in mid to late October and now into November, you're starting to see names like Alphabet gapping lower. And, and a lot of the names that had been holding up, right, the names that were sort of bucking the trend and remaining positive have been deteriorating. So yeah. when I think of the high level trend of the market, when I look at conditions of market breadth, which is super important to me, you know, looking at all the stocks that comprise these indexes, the, the weight of the evidence certainly seems uh, bearish rather than bullish. And what's interesting about that, Steve, is now we're in sort of the seasonally strongest part of the year. When you get to November and December, that's when most years have actually done quite well. Yeah. So we're seeing, we're, you know, we're seeing rising rates, difficult conditions for growth stocks, geopolitical issues, and a lot of uh, instability, of course, in the Middle East. And so we have this, I think, contrast between what tends to be a seasonal tailwind for stocks, but the weight of the evidence, I think, still very difficult and challenging for growth stocks in the fourth quarter. I know. It's, it's so difficult right now. Are you a buyer? Are you a seller? The macro environment says, well, it's not a good time. But to your point, Dave, we're approaching a, a time of year when historically it has been pretty good for equities. We've had so-called Santa Claus rallies at the end of the year. And so there's maybe some hope and optimism that we might uh, have some type of rally as we uh, end 2023. Um, so Dave, with that being said, uh, based on your experience, your knowledge, you're looking at the market, what what is a stock that you think is a pretty good buying opportunity right now uh, in the fourth quarter? So, you know, in this sort of environment, and I, and this, you know, not that I think we have a repeat of the financial crisis or anything like that, when I think about like a 2008, 2009, when it feels like everything's going down, and certainly in the last month or two, you've gotten that sense that more and more stocks are failing to hold up, you know, and, and go higher, they're failing to hold support levels and rotating lower. I'm inclined to gravitate toward things that are still in uptrends, ideally, and if not that, at least are outperforming. So any of the names that you and I would talk about today are stocks that are outperforming their benchmarks, meaning if the S&P, if the NASDAQ have a certain trend up or down, these stocks are doing better than that. And I, I think active investing is very much about finding stocks that are managing to outperform. So the first type of name that I would look at would be insurance companies. 
Um, these, you know, sort of the defensive side of the financial sector, but something like uh, assurance, like AIZ comes to mind uh, as a stock that while the markets have been trending higher June, July, August, uh, this is a name and this is a group that actually did quite well. But the broader market has rotated lower September now into October. You're finding a lot of those uh, names that have been leading, particularly growth names starting to pull back. AIZ is an example of those stocks that have continued up there. And I would say, you know, charts like Progressive and others come to mind as in that similar trend of being able to hold up their uptrends uh, while the rest of the market is going lower. What's interesting about the financial sector in particular, obviously you have uh, rising rates, you have an inverted yield curve. A lot of the big money center banks have been struggling quite a bit. Uh, a lot of the charts that you would hope optimistically, you know, as they test sort of long-term lows would find support have been unable to do so. So I'm inclined to focus on names that have, you know, continued to perform well. Insurance, I like the fact that the stocks have just performed well. They're outperforming the S&P 500, but also they represent more of a defensive plan. I like things that, you know, give you an opportunity to ride out periods of uncertainty. And, and uh, insurance names, I think, uh, may provide that opportunity here in the fourth quarter. Interesting. I, uh, in Insurance is definitely a play that most people may not think about. Financials have, some of them had a terrible year, especially as we had bank collapses in the first half of the year. But, you know, you sound pretty bullish on the insurance companies. What What, what is it about the insurance companies in particular? Is it the fundamentals? Do you like um, the PDE ratios? Is it uh, nice, safe, defensive stocks that might provide dividends? What exactly attracts you to that category of stocks as we enter this type of market? Yeah, no, good question, Steve. And I, and I would say in this sort of environment, I, I mean, and, and particularly for me, starting at the top level, when you see conditions deteriorate, when you see, you know, clearly a leadership rotation, right, where some of the names, some of those magnificent seven names like the Apples and Teslas and others really starting to break down. I'm immediately drawn to stocks that are able to hold up. So if you think about a heat map of year-to-date returns, which ones are actually starting to, you know, get brighter green as opposed to getting brighter red, where it feels like a lot of the market is sort of uh, of going to. So I think there's there's sort of two plays to it. I mean, one would be maybe three. One would be just the defensive nature, right? So I like leaning into, I immediately start thinking of defensive plays like consumer staples, which have not been particularly strong in 2023. You know, things like utilities, sort of those boring, low volume volatility, but stable companies that can help you ride out periods of uncertainty. And again, I just think the proof is in the price. The proof is in the performance of some of these insurance names that have managed to continue to go higher while the broader market is deteriorating. So I often look for, you know, I scan for stocks making new three-month highs in this sort of environment. And, and something like AIZ has consistently been on that list, which is striking to me as the market is clearly not making new swing highs. A name like this uh, certainly is. And then finally, it's sort of a dividend component. I think there's an income component where if you want to be in stocks, if you need to be in stocks, focusing on names in a defensive tape that are going to provide some sort of income component, I think is a, uh, is a good uh, approach in this environment. Good point. When we return, we'll hear from Dave about stocks to avoid right now as we approach the end of 2023. But first, let me tell you how you can become a more informed investor through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter. Early Bird has commentary on the latest events and trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and crowdfunding. With Early Bird's daily weekday email, investors can quickly stay on top of the trends and beat the market. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. 
And now, back to today's discussion. So, Dave, today we are talking about top stocks to pick for the rest of 2024. And in a little bit, we're going to talk about some of the stocks to avoid for the rest of the year. Uh, but before we talk about the stocks to avoid, Dave, were there any other um, stocks that you would recommend picking uh, here in the fourth quarter? I mean, the only other one that I, I mean, my general thought, I mean, I, I don't think it would be an individual name, but I think in general, an area like uh, utilities, an area like consumer staples and consumer staples, again, as a technical analyst with my with my background in, in technical analysis, I hesitate to look at a chart like Hershey's or some of these others that have just been in consistent downtrends. But I would tell you that if you look back in market history, one of the most effective ways or effective tools of recognizing institutions shifting from more offense to more defense is in the relative performance of consumer discretionary stocks versus consumer staple stocks. So charts like Hershey's, charts like General Mills, charts like Archer Daniels, Midland, these have been names that have been in pretty consistent downtrends. As a result, you have consumer discretionary names, and it's not just Amazon and Home Depot, but it's a lot of the other retailers and others that have kind of held up a little bit better. The relative performance of consumer discretionary, things you want, versus consumer staples, things you need, is a really effective tool. And in my Fidelity days, that was something we featured in the Fidelity chart room was looking at offense versus defense. Now, what's happened in the last couple of months is consumer discretionary has still held up very well relative to consumer staples. And it's less about consumer discretionary doing so well. It's more about staples being particularly weak. But just here in October, you're starting to see some of those names like Hershey's and others that have been going down. At least they're not going down anymore. They're actually maybe starting to find a bit of a floor. And if you see those names rotate higher, you have to remember that those are sort of uh, names that are sort of immune to economic conditions. right? No matter what is happening in the world around us, we're still probably going to need alcohol, tobacco, cleaning products, toilet paper, those sorts of things. So if those stocks to do better, that tells you investors are rotating away from the relative offense of consumer discretionary. And I would be laser focused to see if we do see further improvement in those areas of the market. Food products comes to mind as a good place to look. Oh, yeah. People have to eat. People have to um, have certain necessities. Beauty products uh, are often mm. considered recession proof. So good, good point going after some of those consumer staples, especially if the economy were to take a turn for worse, but even if it didn't, those stocks still perform well over the long haul. Um, Dave, so those are the, those are some good options for investors to keep in mind in terms of stocks to pick. But what are some stocks that investors should avoid for the remainder of 2024? Are there any that come to mind? I unfortunately, Steve, quite a few. <laughs> I'm just saying the, the 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 ideas on the upside were a little harder to come by when I'm thinking of uh, you know preparing for our discussion today. But mm -hmm. you know one one area of the market that, that just jumps out at me uh, would be home builders. Mm -hmm. um, home builders, an incredibly strong group in the first half of the year. And when I think about what sort of signs you saw looking back through 2023 in future years, what would we see that told us that the conditions were changing from strong economic conditions or the implication of that to more weaker conditions. I think a rotation lower in some of those names like uh, Lennar, like Toll Brothers and others. And an ETF like the ITB is a good way of just sort of tracking that space as a whole. But these are names that actually did quite well into May, June, July, consistently outperformed uh, the broader S&P and NASDAQ really from the October low of last year. But things really started to change. A lot of those stocks sort of stalled out in the summer. Now have started to rotate lower. Something like um, 
uh, Lennar, LEN, uh, broke below its 200-day moving average, which, again, is not the most perfect trading system I've ever come up with or, or that I think I would recommend people use. But I was taught sort of that Paul Tudor Jones uh, method, right? Nothing good happens below the 200-day moving average. And that's a simple market maximum just saying, look for areas of the market showing strength. And when something goes below the 200-day, that just tells you to revisit that thesis, right? If you're all bowled up on a space and it starts to break down through that key long-term barometer, you want to revisit it. I think given uh, the economic conditions, given the recessionary uh, phase that I believe the inverted yield curve is sort of telling us that's what 2024 will probably be talking about here over the next 12 months, I think home builders have had a really impressive run, but it certainly seems given a weaker economy, given the challenges of rising rates, that I think there's such a lag behind between rising rates and how it really impacts consumers when you go to buy a house or buy a car. I think home builders sort of leaned a little too far in front of their skis. I'm I'm skeptical about further upside there. So certainly in the fourth quarter, I think we're seeing just the beginning of the drawdown in some of those previous leadership names like home builders. Oh, great point calling out the home builders. The, the housing market right now is clearly in trouble. Interest rates are taking their toll on, on uh, several housing names. So, so you're absolutely right for pointing out home builders as a laggard for potentially for the rest of the year. Um, what, what other stocks come to mind for, for stocks to avoid for the rest of the year? Yeah, another one to come up with. And again, in some sometimes what we do is challenging, uh, Steve. Other times it doesn't feel like it's that difficult because there's a narrative that sort of jumps out at you. For me, airlines are an obvious uh, sort of underweight or something to lean away from uh, here in the fourth quarter. I know a lot of these names have not been particularly good, right? If you look at the chart of Southwest, which is one of, that comes to mind, I mean, just continuing to deteriorate really over the last couple of years, it's gone weaker and weaker, underperforming the broader market, but just really losing on absolute terms as well. And I think with something like airlines, you sort of have a trifecta of bad news in these sort of, uh, of of names. You know, number one would be higher oil prices, right? And with the conflict in the Middle East, certainly with the potential to, you know, to, to continue to expand and the scope of that has the potential to drive oil prices much further than what we've seen uh, so far. Higher oil prices really are not particularly good for, uh, for airlines. And I think a big part of the bearish rotation we've seen in airlines, certainly in the last couple of months, has been tied to oil prices going higher. So that sort of thing, good for energy stocks, good for companies pulling oil out of the ground, not so good for companies that need oil to function and, and grow their business. So I think that is one sort of dangerous uh, dangerous part of it. Um, the second part would just be the impact on the consumer, right? As economic conditions get more challenging, as rates go higher, as uh, consumers have less discretionary funds to spend, they're probably traveling less. Uh, and so I think the overall headwind of economic conditions uh, is not helping. The third part of that would be rising prices, right? I'm, I'm looking at flights right now to go down to Texas to speak at a conference. It's getting more expensive to travel around the U.S. to travel globally. And so I think that, I mean, those three sort of factors are making it less and less of an ideal option for uh, for airlines. I think airline, uh, um, earnings here uh, in, uh, in, in recent quarters and certainly looking forward will sort of highlight some of those factors that we talked about. And, and again, I think and if I look at Southwest or American Airlines or UAL, Alaska, which is the biggest uh, you know flyer here in the Seattle area, they're going lower. And so I'm, I'm much more inclined to be patient and wait for charts like this to rotate higher. And I'm not seeing that yet. Great point about the airlines. They're also in trouble, at least for the time being. Um, Dave, these are some wonderful recommendations you've given us in terms of stocks to pick and stocks to avoid in the fourth quarter, last quarter of 2023. Um, you know, As we sit here last quarter of the year, uh, real quick, Dave, what 
what advice would you have to investors, particularly investors who might be new to the market? What uh, quick words of wisdom would you give to uh, investors at this point in time? No, thanks for asking, Steve. I, I mean, I would say, you know, as, as, as fun as bull markets are, as fun it is, as it is when the market is going higher and your portfolio is growing, it's easy to get very complacent in a bull market. And there are a number of market maxims that I've heard. You know, don't confuse brains with a bull market. Everyone's a genius in a bull market. There are so many bad habits that we can just get away with because things we're picking are just kind of appreciating. Now that we're rotating to more of a bearish phase, and I think a lot of investors, newer investors, experienced this in 2022. I think we're entering in another period of weakness here in the fourth quarter of, uh, of 23. Bear markets are where all those bad habits really start to negatively impact your returns. So first off, I would say for newer investors, use this as an opportunity. I've learned way more in bearish phases than bullish phases about who I am as an investor, about parts of my investing routine, what sort of information I consume, how I make decisions. The improvements I've made to my processes has, have usually come during bear market phases uh, because that's where you have an opportunity to learn. That's where you can see the direct impact of bad habits that have come up during the last bull market cycle. The second thing is just be patient. I think a lot of uh, there's a lot of FOMO still for, for newer investors and, and for many experienced investors as well. You're so nervous about missing the bottom and, and debating where the, you know, where the bottom is going to happen. Mm. What I've learned over my career is you don't have to pinpoint the turning point. It is not that important to identify an absolute top or bottom. What's more important is to focus on the weight of the evidence. I always tell people, have a good situational awareness for the market. Recognize when the conditions have evolved from a period of distribution to a period of accumulation, looking for improvements in breadth conditions, looking for some of those leading stocks to re-exert themselves to mm. the upside. Be patient and wait for the opportunities that will come. Great, great advice. Thank you so much, Dave, for, for coming on the Early Bird Podcast today to talk about the stocks to pick or to avoid during uh, the fourth quarter of 2023. Great advice. But before we wrap up uh, the podcast, Dave, I just have one final question for you, and it's the most important question for today's discussion. That question for you, Dave, is if you're at Trivia Night, what is your go-to category that you know the most about? Oh, man, this was an unscripted question, Steve. I love this one so much. I have some pretty broad, diverse interests, but I actually studied uh, music as an undergraduate. I studied trumpet and voice. So late romantic music uh, history would be the, uh, the obscure topic I would pick and probably do pretty well on. Awesome. That's great. Thank you again to Dave Keller for sharing your insights on stocks. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's discussion. We'll be back next week for another episode of Early Bird. Have a great day.